0: So, Chris, you want me to start this off, so give me just a couple of seconds to think of something really mean and cruel to say about you. Uh, Does it hurt when the dog tries to bury you in the backyard because it thinks you're a bone? No, not really. No, no, no. It's 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 amazing you can uh, move with your bones creaking so much chris uh it's it's been a month since we last talked uh there are exciting events in the world of i guess dungeons and dragons since we last talked yeah yeah. the i I think the biggest one or at least the most recent one from the time of us recording this is that just yesterday uh hasbro did a sizzle reel of all of their new stuff coming in 2022 Mm -hmm. and for about half a second there was a picture of a new D and D starter set called Dungeons and Dragons: Dragons of Stormwreck Isle. No idea what it's about, um, but it looks like it's uh, from, from what little information has come out about that. Uh, the only thing that they can see is that it's going to retail for about fifty bucks, of which course. is that's their flat price for everything. Well, it's it's over. 100% higher than the uh, other two starter sets which are both at 19.99. or if you're on Amazon you can probably get them for like 8.99. I've seen them as low as like 7 I think
1: yeah okay
0: so I mean I, there's I, a new starter set no idea what it's about but there's dragons so I, I guess I'm ready for it it's yay. probably um because that's the same time that's going to be the 50th anniversary stuff right. it's, it's probably to release alongside yeah well one would think
1: I mean it that i would imagine is only one of the things they'll be doing that oh yeah year, yeah you would think
0: well maybe it'll be like a starter set where they release uh all of like the updated rules or things of that nature and it's just a way for you to plunge in there but again like 50 bucks for it it should have a lot more stuff than the other ones because <laughs> okay. i can't it's imagine like... paying 50 bucks for what was in the previous starter sets even though they're well a soft cover they are book. pretty
1: good <laughs> soft cover book with a small adventure Ooh, and some dice
0: yes and a random encounter table that will tpk your players about 100 of the time yeah i don't think that they'll
1: i mean obviously they're not going to put a hardcover in there but if they are going to release new rules it's gonna have to be pretty large one
0: would think yeah well it might be that it's an updated srd uh included in their um player character sheets because you if you're going to make a player character you need cheats for that uh probably a set of dice and then maybe they'll include like larger maps or maybe some minifigs or something like that to to justify the uh the price point for it or maybe shipping is just killing them like it's killing the rest (laughs) of the world (laughs) and that's the only way they can make money now paper is expensive
1: uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what's in it i mean we could ramble on and speculate the you know the whole episode but
0: yeah, i'm fairly confident i will not be in it you never know yeah you're right they just haven't contacted me yet they just assume i'll i'll be willing to chip myself with every package
1: well you know they uh probably haven't actually written half of it so you know having hey, art's easy
0: what do you need beyond the title dragons of stormwreck isle
1: nothing a new character that character shoot you're talking about oh
0: there you go perfect uh chris you had some news you wanted to talk about
1: I did? Oh, yeah, I did. Mine's more on the business side.
0: Yes, yours is the boring side. Yeah, exactly. I mean the business side.
1: Well, we had talked, I think, last week about the whole uh, D&D Beyond issue with, you know, Oh, yeah, not people getting, leaving and all that stuff. Right. Not really getting any support, what's going on with them. And I will have to say that your conspiracy theory, um, I think, was going to work. I had said that they would probably just buy D&D Beyond, which they still may do, but... Uh, Hasbro has uh, a new, what did she, what's president. her title? Is it new president, Cynthia no, Williams? Did I didn't she, vote for her. No, uh, <laughs> it's n- n- not a democracy. Uh, <laughs> Wrong president. Yeah, uh, and she's coming over from Microsoft, and she's to lead uh, Wizards of the Coast, but also digital gaming business. And that's where I think that it's going to get into really focusing on the you know the virtual side of the game she has a lot of experience in that from what i've read over at uh on, online and over at microsoft
0: i mean this is something they've been trying to work on since like the release of 4e and i assume but like in the later years of 3e like they wanted to do like their own virtual tabletop thing uh they had a character generator for D 4e that they then let die like
1: Yeah, but she actually has the experience to do it, and I mean, coming over from Microsoft, you know, it's not like they were just like, hey, you can come do this, I'm sorry, you have actually no experience in the field. Now, you could hire, you know, someone that has experience in virtual tabletops, but she's coming over, and I mean, she is probably the reason that gaming on Xbox exploded the way it did. She was in charge of that, and... You know, she also was, I hate to say it, but she worked at Amazon for, I think, about 10 years and was the lead on their e-commerce. So she's got experience in the field. She Normally what will happen when someone like this comes over from a company, she'll poach people. So you can imagine that some of the uh, probably lead developers will come over from Microsoft. And with Watsy having... Another record year in sales. I think they crossed a billion dollars. Wow. Then I'm sure they can afford it other than the six guys sitting around in an office, you know, half-assing uh, adventures and monsters um, and then doing no editing on it. But uh, you never know. No, they actually have been putting out some good stuff. And the editing's been a bazillion times better. The art's been a lot better. Mm-hmm. And, hey, the book binding's <laughs> even <been> better. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah be, it's better than how the player's handbook was. So um, I'm
1: excited to see her come over, Um, you know. What's his name here? Uh, Chris Cox, who is ascending up to the head of Hasbro. That's what a, hor- a fun way of saying yeah, that. He's name. ascending yeah. to new heights. You know, I, he, I think he really wanted to do this, but didn't have the experience. So now they're bringing someone in with the experience in technology, e-commerce, gaming that will take them to the next level. Also.
0: Oh, he also came from Microsoft. Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. He was uh business side, obviously, uh, and while she has a lot more technical experience, you can also expect to see I am positive of this, you can expect to see more games rolling out. Baldur's Gate Three, in my opinion, has been a clusterfuck of a rollout.
0: I have not played Baldur's Gate Three. Uh actually in fact right now I'm playing Pathfinder Kingmaker. Yes. Yeah, which that. is which is I think kind of like similar vein. Where it's a computer role-playing game, but... Um, it reminded me of Neverwinter Nights.
1: Um, okay, yeah, the yeah bit I've seen It's bit.
0: definitely like, uh, or like, uh, wow, well, not Pathfinder Torment, uh, Planescape Torments. Um, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Where you have a group of, aven- like you have an adventuring party and you're going out and doing uh, basically Paizo's Kingmaker adventure path.
1: You know that I know that you're not doing any Dumpstack work because when I'm on, you know, you haven't hidden your profile. So when you I jump on Discord, it's Steven Vanstra playing currently playing pathfinder
0: it's fine it's only been 20 hours
1: in the past week okay which is way less than i've played yeah yeah dota so anyways
0: pot luke is calling the kettle
1: yeah i know uh so i'm excited to see what's gonna happen i think we'll have more games i mean technically it'll fall under the movies will fall under her because they're they're planning on doing more depending on how this one does (laughs) we'll see well god they should have brought back jeremy irons yeah
0: i I mean that's the only way that you could top the 2000 Dungeons and dragons uh all right well that's that's good news for maybe the digital side of watsi we'll we'll find out and i mean like congrats to chris cox who who went from hasbro now he's the ceo of or sorry he went from watsi and now he's the ceo of all of hasbro which is like the parent company that has like nerf play-doh peppa pig um marvel like a oh, huge magic bunch of, yeah well magic well that was already under Watsy. pepper pig yeah peppa pig, i Pig <laughs> is under the house you don't I think have the, kids how do you know about peppa pig you're looking it up online okay uh my little pony littlest pet shop tonka you remember tonka Dude, I have... Those were their, like, the real kids' toys. Like, the kids who meant business when they wanted to play.
1: Dump trucks when they were actually made of metal and would hurt when they smashed into you. Yeah, I remember those. Oh,
0: and then also the incredibly awful board game Monopoly. That sucks and we should never talk about. It's good when you're a kid. No, it's not. Well, it's it was never good, good when I was a kid, you know. When that you was have 1970. A, if you have like 5,000 homebrew rules, sure, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're the banker, you win every time because you're
1: just like, I'll slide some of this money away. Well, here
0: is my tip for running the bank so well today.
1: Yes, I earn a salary.
0: So the last bit of fun information we we're going to talk about is that Doctor Who is now getting a Dungeons & Dragons 5e compatible tabletop role-playing game, which, Why? I don't know. If IV is combat-centric, there's barely any rules upholding the social structure beyond roll a d20, at a modifier, maybe you hit a DC that the DM pulled out of their ass. And, like, Mm -hmm. Doctor Who is like, yeah, I guess there's kind of combat, but it's more like we're running away from combat run
1: open door with sonic screwdriver maybe
0: it's just like all it is is just like chase rules could be that could be kind of fun uh well you know but you get a tardis you know it's bigger on the inside i mean there's already a doctor who role-playing game that is focused on diplomacy and like and so like the way it works is like whenever there would be like a combat situation uh you first have to first go through like a diplomacy stage and if only the diplomacy stage fails, that's when you drop down into combat because the way that the show works is you always try to talk yourself out of those type of situations. Right. Yeah, no. Or you run away. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, I mean, I don't know much about it, but based you know, on the little I bit mean, I do, it feels like it's it's targeted towards the people that, ha- that are shifting with the game that are moving more towards role-playing. It seems yeah. like it would be very role-playing based. Base and not combat based well that's like three pages
0: of rules
1: yeah (laughs) and then like what else are you going to put in the core rule book for dr who maybe they could you know like you said there could be chase rules i don't know
0: (laughs) i mean like uh uh, like i did some work for uh wyvern gaming during gen con like i ran a bunch of their games so that they would pay for me to go to gen con for four days so i didn't have to shell out the cash and so like they made stargate uh also 5e compatible and their reasoning behind it was simply like you know it's like the biggest name everyone knows it and so i can't help but imagine that's the same reason why dr who's doing it because it's the biggest name in the game and why not it's it it'll be an easy way to get money because they'll be like oh it's 5e compatible maybe i can throw this in my homebrew game or something like that well there i mean there are there's plenty of
1: uh alien races That if you are allowed to play, I mean, if you're a Dalek, you could, you're just, your whole basis is to kill. I don't feel like
0: they're going to let you play a Dalek. It's going to be human. That'd be awesome. It's going to be human or like maybe like one or two other just like, oh, I'm a human, but I have gills. Or I'm a human, but I have little face tentacles. I have yeah. little barbels. I'll
1: have to take a, a deeper
0: look if, into if, it. If you want a, a game with a huge amount, like over 50 different options for alien races, uh, you should look at Starfinder. It's no. a D20 game system. And you can be like an ooze. You can be a uh, like a dragon thing. You can like, it is amazingly weird, weird aliens. There's like a little guy who is actually like two different pieces. There's like a ball, and then the alien sits on top of the ball, and then the ball just rolls around, and that's just his normal alien physique.
1: Yeah, I... I...
0: There, oh, there's a fish trapped inside of a huge bubble of water, and that's your character. I
1: had a hard enough time with the leshy character someone played in Pathfinder. I don't...
0: Oh, like... you don't like little nature spirits that have been like... cute cutified instead of like hardcore like murder monsters from actual folklore
1: yeah no i don't have a problem with not having a you know a creature whose sole existence is to slaughter things but still it's weird
0: yeah but yeah i I guess I'll keep an ear... I mean, I used to watch Doctor Who. I think I kind of gave up on it um, with, uh, after... Or, like, Peter Capaldi's maybe second or third season. Yeah. I just kind of lost track and just kind of stopped watching. Not not because I wasn't enjoying it. It's just uh, life kind of got in the way, and it just, I never caught back up with it. So, um, yeah. I mean, maybe this is a good enough excuse for me to rewatch it all. Um, Christopher Uckleston is my... Uh, favorite doctor, I feel like I just butchered his last name by accident. Though mm-hmm. Den- David Tennant is still great. Um, I like Clara as a side side or compa- er, companion. What about Chris? Do you have any fond memories of Doctor? Yeah,
1: I. Well, I'm old enough to remember watching the original with my dad. Yeah. Uh, oh,
0: yes, where the people would, like, crawl around on, like, green uh, always, like, silk cloths, and that would be the monster. It was
1: always in the same set, too. I swear to God, they had two sets for the entire thing. <laughs> Did you actually know that Doctor Who, when it first came out, was supposed to be in the first season it was an educational show? It was supposed to teach children about, you know, the history of, you know, the— of, the united Kingdom.
0: Oh, i'm not surprised by that yeah, yeah and like they also didn't have like the idea that he would regenerate it's just their yeah. actor died and they're like well how do we fix this yeah. problem and so then they
1: were just like hmm, no one's really watching it we'll make it an action thing where they go back in history and it, you know it was good i i really liked doctor Who. i watched yeah. it when i was a kid
0: i really like the uh the movie for the eighth doctor it was very good and yeah. i think I think that's like the only thing he was in, if I remember correctly. Well, you from- know,
1: Eccleston's yes. coming back for like a short, I'd have to look it up, but either like a movie or a short four-parter. They're bringing him back.
0: All right. Somehow this something. is turning into a Whovian, yeah. uh news podcast. All right, so the last bit of news, and I keep saying last in this, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, I didn't know there was a
1: third last bit of news. All right, hit me <laughs> well, with this it.
0: is dump stat news. Oh, okay, then. I probably uh, still so, know so it's news. better news. That's why you saved it for the last because you saved the best for last. Uh, we just released our second part of our three part adventure that takes characters from level four to seven, I believe, level eight, All somewhere right. around I didn't there. Let me
1: touch it. So. Um,
0: it is the second part of the Gangs of Farum adventure, um, where you are taking a gang and trying to survive on the mean streets of Farum, a massive city uh based in my world Talia. Canal City. Yes, it is. Farum the Canal City is kind of its its kind of hallmark towards it. There's a massive canal running through it that kind of separates the haves and the have nots. Uh it's the city itself is kind of basically loosed loosely based on like kind of like Victorian England with a little bit of like the industrial revolution thrown in there. So for like magic and technology where uh, magic begets science and all that fun stuff. Uh,
1: Yeah. So it's in our store right now. If it sounds like if the world itself sounds like something interesting um, or if you're interested in the game, we'll recommend starting off with the uh, free primer to Talia. Yes,
0: yes. There is a free uh, Nico's Primer Mm d'Italia. And then we also have a city guide to help you run the Faram adventure. Uh, Just Faram the Canal City. Both of those two documents are free. It's about 40 pages for each document. So there's a lot of lore already kind of there for you. But it's not so much that you'll be overwhelmed. Um, And it's just kind of easy reference material. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the third part of the adventure, hopefully... um, (laughs) Will be out uh, July before or after you lose your mind? Ah, uh, who knows? I'm just trying different writing processes to try and speed up how I write. Um, and and so it's it's an adventure, <laughs> just like the adventure I'm writing, except yeah. with less death and more headaches and ibuprofen.
1: Well, you know, it's they, it's ninety percent you. So hey, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you wish.
0: Uh, That brings us to our topic for today, Chris. Hooray! What is it? Uh, We're going to talk about ways to spice up uh, combat, ways to spice up your dungeons, things of that nature. So it's not just, you're in a corridor that's five feet wide, there's a door 30 feet away from you, there's two kobolds, and fight.
1: So does Spice Up mean, like, harder monsters? Because you could just raise the AC a little bit on every monster and it's
0: harder. No, Spice Up. You know, make it it fantastical. You know, you don't have to set everything in just, like, a boring dungeon or just out in the forest with a couple of trees here and there, you know, find ways to, to encourage your players to interact more with the battlefield.
1: Oh, so basically hold players to,
0: Oh wait, you didn't cast the light cantrip on your shield. Well, you're in the dark. So what are you going to do? I mean, well, (laughs) that reminds me of you talking about the dark. Uh, You guys were exploring it through a dungeon once and I put up several darkness, like permanent darkness spells. Fuck you. And then I (laughs) hit a sphere of annihilation inside of one of them. So angry. (laughs) Ah, you're fine. Yeah, and then it didn't damage your magic armor. Yeah, no, but in that campaign
1: uh, I I had someone cast darkness like where where I was standing, like I was in the area of effect three or four times. Yep. I was human. And I was just like, What the (laughs) fuck? They could see through the darkness. What was your problem? I was the tank. (laughs) Ah, you're (laughs) fine. It was like, why do you keep doing this? Well, you're standing in front of the biggest monster.
0: Yeah, handle everybody else. I've got this. Sometimes. But, okay. Yeah, uh, the other thing is, uh, recently, uh, for my Saturday group, you guys are currently in an underwater dungeon. And in the system we're playing in, you only have an hour for water breathing, so now, like... That's another way to spice up your dungeon is just throwing a time constraint on you guys.
1: Yeah. Why am I the only one that seems to be concerned with how much time we have left? Breathing? Oh,
0: <laughs> it was perfect. You guys went in there. You guys were knocking down enemies. You guys didn't spend 10 minutes for an hour to rest and relax. <laughs> Someone's going into the boss fight with 20 hit points out of like 80. I know. It was like, hey, let's
1: take a re- Let's take a rest. It just takes 10 minutes to, to heal. You guys. And I'm like, really?
0: Because we're down pretty low on our you guys went in with five players so you're gonna leave with four <laughs> or three as long as it's not me that's or fine. one you only need one to steer a ship that's me that that that's kind of our, our goal for this episode is just to talk about ways that we can start spicing up combats make them a little bit more exciting give players something to remember each combat by mm-hmm. and not every combat needs to be spiced up you don't need a throw cayenne pepper just on like a random encounter uh just to make it memorable because if everything's memorable then well it's not really that special at that but i mean that that's an important
1: thing you know it's an important topic to talk about because it does get boring after a while like you said you can yes you can go and talk to the king or talk to merchants and blah 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 and yeah, that can be fun. That's good role-playing. It can be a little different every time. But realistically, when you walk into combat, it's a lot of, I hit things with my sword, and the person behind me casts Fireball, and you hope you're not in like the way of it. And It ends, unless you get a little creative. And creative can come from both the DM side and the player side. Players sometimes rely on the same old spells and whine when they don't get a powerful sword because all they do is hit shit with it chris don't talk about yourself like that hey i'm playing a wizard that doesn't need a sword You're that right. doesn't do any damage with freaking spells i gotta get new dice <laughs>
0: uh yeah so <clears throat> i need to stop saying so so so
1: i'll say it for you
0: uh, and then there's also the other side of that is players can also uh, help DMs spice up combat by using more control spells. And I know Chris has written uh, a bunch of things about his favorite kind of control the battlefield or battlefield control spells. Yes, um,
1: it's a, wow, it's a pretty long one. That was a while ago, too. It's several a parts. six part series. Wow. wow. Okay. Uh, I must have been really scrambling for
0: crap to do and. Or you're really excited by Battlefield Control Spells. Well, I do
1: like Battlefield Spells. I mean, that was the reason I'm playing a wizard now is because I wanted to do Battlefield Spells, but I really didn't read close enough in the Pathfinder system because they kind of suck. Actually, I take that back. Some are a lot better. Some were disappointing because I didn't look at them. Like, grease, for example, is fantastic. I mean, you it makes sense. You got to get up. You got to make checks. can't you, use grease underwater, can you, Chris? Nope. Uh, <laughs> but you can use it on a ship. Uh, but, you know, some, like, sleep isn't as good. Although I did put a shark to sleep, so that was pretty fun. You were angry about that. Yes, I, I was sad about that. You know, so I should have looked a little bit more into But that said, I take that comment back. They're, they do some... There are some great spells. Unfortunately, I had done, like I said, a six part series on 5e e spells. Yeah. So,
0: but there's quite a lot. Yeah. So I, I think we could start at just kind of the basics for terrain. So mm-hmm. let's imagine you're in a forest, Chris, um, and you have to go into like a fight. Like, if you're thinking about this, there are a variety of ways that you can shape the forest so that it kind of provides different options for your players especially if this is like an ambush so if i mean we can look at uh the first combat and lost minds of fandom uh Fand-
1: saying that is, uh, Fand- <laughs> lost minds
0: <laughs> yes the lost minds of f- 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 yeah. uh, where the party is coming up in their wagon and they see that there is a dead horse in the road um and uh, I believe like a toppled over wagon. And so what happens here is the adventure just assumes like the party gets off their horse. They check uh, they check what's going on, and then they are surprised attacked by a bunch of goblins hiding in the tree. Um, the way you could spice this up, not necessarily for this event or for like that specific combat, because that combat's already known for TPKing first time <laughs> players. Because mm-hmm. amazingly, first level characters, not a lot of hit points when you get critted on by a goblin.
1: Yeah, you did. It... It's a lesson in the power of ranged weapons. (laughs) Yes.
0: And so like if you want your ambushers to have a little bit more protection in this type of situation, sprinkle in difficult terrain. They're going to be smart enough if they're ambush style creatures to hide behind something that's going to slow down other creatures. And so you can add in like underbrush, you can add in shrubs, fallen trees to just slow down your players. And so that's going to affect like your fighters, your barbarians all trying to get there but people like your monk are gonna love it because now they get that extra speed and it kind of really feels like they're moving faster than everyone else because yes while they are slowed down by the terrain they have a greater movement speed in which case they can hit those monsters in the same round that they move over to them while everyone else either has to wait two rounds or they have to move and then dash to get there and then they're not doing anything else and so as you're slowing down the players um other players who have classes that can kind of counteract that can get a chance to shine and your monsters get to live another round peppering them with arrows
1: or you just use your intro and, you yeah.
0: know I mean... oh yeah or or the sword and board fighter finally figures out how to throw a knife yeah exactly it's like, and then they're like i only bought one knife can someone <laughs> throw that back to me i've been carrying this dagger around for a really long time
1: i don't know what to do with it
0: yeah it's uh yeah i i mean i've seen that in a lot of uh like adventures where it's just like yeah this one combat is gonna kill me because i refuse to carry anything with ranged weapons and no i'm not gonna learn my mistakes from a previous combat where i had <laughs> difficulties hitting someone flying above me i'm just gonna complain like you know like it, trying to uh increase the amount of you know distance between uh characters and their targets kind of encourages the uh more ranged options as well mm-hmm. as i mean if, you're, if your monsters are all ranged combatants, then they should not be as good at melee fighting as they are at range. Right. And so that should be the reward for the players is if they are able to successfully get in closing and if they are able to successfully get close and get in range to hit them, then the reward for them should be like this person is physically weaker. They cannot deal as much damage with their puny little melee weapons as they can from afar.
1: Right, right here hold. We'll give it a second i don't know what she's doing yay um yeah well i mean you touched on something else uh that i have truly mixed feelings on which is flying creatures and not so much flying creatures but flying character classes and now there's three it used
0: to be there's three there's yeah. the alan there's the Aerocakra. and the fairy oh the fairy i keep forgetting the fairies a thing. yeah so knock them brown fuck em.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it hurts when you fall from, like, 40 feet.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm safe from arrows up here. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are uh, never safe from longbow. It, and it's, you know, at
1: lower levels, it is such a big advantage. Because if you... I went through, there's not a lot of flying monsters at lower yeah. levels.
0: I mean, the detriment for flying creatures is that they're going to end up having lower AC... Uh, because they can't wear I think medium or heavy armor so they're stuck with light armor but then again they're going to max out their decks anyway so that right. they can use range weapon so it kind of evens itself out there
1: and you know it's just going to be like oh yeah what's the range on your uh, your bow I'm just going to fly 10 feet higher than that <laughs> and then I'll fly down on my turn shoot
0: and then, and then fly, fly back, back up, up. <laughs> right
1: so again lower levels I struggle with it
0: well at the same time we can then if you do have flying characters think about the tree cover if there's like if they're flying above the trees to avoid short bows or something like that now they're having a more a greater difficulty of like shooting between the leaves and stuff Mm -hmm. so you could give cover to your monsters you could have them roll at disadvantage because they're basically firing at like an almost hidden creature Right. Um, the other thing is like you know it's difficult flying through all those branches. Those branches are now difficult terrain. It's going to cost some extra flight hmm. to to fly past or to like navigate the brambles up there. Yeah, I mean that that's a good. Or point. they attract a monkey, starts throwing like their <laughs> shit at them. <laughs> yeah, I mean for a
1: forest, or you know, obviously if you're dungeon diving, you're, it's like well, it's great your biggest ability your biggest uh you know natural ability is kind of limited you just yeah don't yeah. fight in the mountains or the plains and you're good
0: yeah like yeah if if you if you are struggling constantly with flying characters uh have the adventure take them into dungeons have them take it inside of buildings um it's actually kind of interesting we just did a deep dive on aarakocra which mm-hmm. we'll link down in the show notes where um you can play as an aarakocra i think in uh, yeah in 3e you can play as them yep. you count as two levels higher than everyone else so by the time everyone becomes a third level character you can then take your first level in a class if you're playing as an aracocra which is kind of an interesting way that they balance things way back when yeah i say way back when that's i oh know that was 21 years ago so yeah way back when <laughs> and so uh but the other thing about them is they took a penalty whenever they were inside because they had like the supernatural fear of being like uh, right like they had claustrophobia and so you can kind of play that up a bit more with your player and you know like talk to your player see if they're cool with like playing up like this fear uh like claustrophobia um but also like don't do it to such an extent that you basically nerf their character and the only cool thing they get is reduced by always being in a building make sure you throw them up a bone every once in a while so they can use their flight and feel cool and all that stuff yeah but yeah Yeah. more buildings
1: yeah you know and i mean to your point about you know you again it ties into you know adapting terrain to provide players with the challenges that they may not have to deal with like when you're in a dungeon and we'll get to that in a second now on the reverse side players can really mess with a dm there are tons Tons of terrain spells that you can, you know, oh, yeah. either slow them down, immobilize them, or you know, basically plunge them into darkness. I'm, I was, I went back and was looking at this. There's, there's a buttload of spells. I mean, oh yeah, like mean, I
0: mean, even darkness would shut down range combatants. You just throw mm-hmm. darkness on yourself. Now they can't see you. Now while you can't see them, that's not a big deal. They can't hit you, and you get a chance to kind of form up and and figure out what you want to do. Right.
1: No, I, I mean it's. One of the ones I was looking at, which it was... This is actually one that you can use in a dungeon. And I went through the rules, and it actually works. I mean, it's a... Crate Bonfire allows oh. you to... allows you. It's a small area effect, but you can really mess with somebody. It's like, okay, you're in a five-foot hallway. Yeah, create Bonfire right in front of them.
0: Yeah, it's not going to do
1: a lot, but it's still kind of annoying.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, my wife, uh, she used Crate Bonfire all the <laughs> time and just screwed over my monsters constantly and that was the basis <laughs>
1: putting in that is my very first one i mean you know another cantrip is uh mold earth yeah five foot square doesn't seem like much but that can be the difference between someone getting up to you and not getting up yeah to you i mean that's like
0: instantly like difficult terrain to try and try and navigate through because you got to get down and then you have to clamber up and then you got to keep going it's
1: well i do hate you because i was really looking forward to my favorite one a player can use is a uh, flaming sphere <laughs> I'm in a water campaign.
0: Well, that blows. That was your choice. Yeah, I know. I didn't really <laughs>
1: think that through. But, you know, you can't cast it on a boat, you know, roll around on a ship. And that's not
0: good for a wooden ship after a while. I've heard that. Strangely enough, I've heard that uh, wood doesn't like fire. Right. So I, I mean, that was a Pokemon combination. <laughs> I don't. I never really got into Pokemon.
1: But, you know, there's a lot. I mean, that was one of the things that really drove me to want to play more of an area of effect kind of character. Because there's a lot. I mean, let's see. Third level has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine spells that you can use to control an every effect. And yeah, so you have options instead of being like, hey, third level, guess what I'm taking? Fireball. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> use lightning. If I destroy
0: the, the terrain, is that kind of controlling yeah. it?
1: I mean, I personally, I love the idea of plant growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a druid. And maybe you get
0: tired of turning uh, yourself into plant a growth bear. growth has screwed over so many of my giants <laughs> You know, you do that. I
1: mean, you can cast a Sleet Storm, which I think we're going to be getting later this week. Fantastic. Uh, there's That's where you get the first three of the wall spells. I mean, Wall of Sand, just, that's horrible. Wall of Water is very boring. And Wall of Wind, you want to screw over a flying creature. There's another one. Although I did knock one of your uh, flying creatures down off the ship into the water with a Gust spell. You were. Not happy with me on that
0: one. I wanted them to live so that I could at least have one victory in my life. Yeah,
1: no, no. Well, it's not my fault you keep throwing monsters that you know we can beat. That's right. So to your point, there's there. It works both ways. Yeah, a DM can can provide challenging terrain to you know give a player an opportunity to think outside the box, Mm -hmm. and then a player can also try and think outside the box by using a spell to
0: make a dm sad <laughs> that's every week from. again
1: you've killed plenty of characters
0: yeah, and and you don't even have to think about terrain like i mean we're, we talked before like using a forest mm-hmm. well like what if you're what, what if you are actually traveling through like the plains there's no forest there's hardly any underbrush like how would you then like befuddle or make like the combat interesting <laughs> and at that point like you can use weather um yep. you can use like sudden gusts of wind that make ranged attacks uh have disadvantage at close range and at long range they automatically miss. Yep. You can do like powerful sleet uh like rainstorms just like coming down so that your visibility is like reduced and it? have them fight like uh creatures like Tremorsen so they always know where they are but you but the players can't see them through like the hail of rain.
1: Yeah, we just when we wrote the latest deep dive it was oh yeah, you had to get through, like, a horrid, like, surrounding area of mountains where it's just a constant storm to get to the... the...
0: Oh, yeah, you're talking about in the Plane of Air there, yes. uh, where the Vati or the wind, uh, the Archdukes of Wind are um, located. Yeah. yeah, so they have, like, these massive storms. And speaking of, like, windstorms, um, I'll leave a... Uh, A link down in the the show notes but i've also written rules to how you can include a hurricane Uh. into your combat where it's like it moves like a hundred feet or so every round and so like that can be (laughs) something where it's like your party's fighting something and then all of a sudden they see like a twister start forming near them and now it's not so much a matter of fighting the monsters it's Running away from this windstorm that seems to be like supernaturally hellbent on chasing them down.
1: It seems like something out of a movie where there's a big fight going on against your mortal enemy. And then you both kind of look into the distance and see this and look at each other and you're like, okay, we're done. And just start running away. Together. Well, that
0: was uh, the movie Twister, right? With the cow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I feel like I just dated myself. Mm, no. when, when was twister released no, twister. i hate
1: when you do this because you're gonna be like i was 12 i'm gonna be like i was 36 i was four released in 1996 holy shit <laughs> i was gonna then i'm
0: oh, 20, oh shit carrie else was in there i didn't realize that
1: yeah sure. he plays he plays kind of like the dick hmm. in that
0: i need to rewatch it now it's mm. been so long we'll i feel like see. i haven't seen it in 20 years i wonder
1: how they, i wonder how it's gonna hold up it's a lot of cgi was it actually cgi back
0: then well there was a ride over at um universal studios that was twister that mm-hmm. was fine
1: yeah unlike the ones now that, that my kids like to go on and that i'm like i am gonna die uh so yeah well didn't there was a while where you were actually i mean you it was it harkened back to AD&D where you were supposed to every day you wake up and you secretly roll dice behind your file cabinets because you're gary Iris and determine what the weather's going to be for the day three times a day Dang. because you'd be like what's the weather when you wake up what's the weather at midday if you don't climb into a magnificent mansion to go to sleep, are you going to get rained on? You know, and I'm not talking about your bard pissing on you either. I'm, you know, it's it was, it was annoying when you were DMing, but it was kind of fun because you could do you could mess with them, um, and you had something like that, but it was specific to the locale that we are at. I think.
0: Yeah. So what I did, uh, there's actually several random weather generators out there. I can link uh-huh. one that I've used in the past. And so what I would do is I would just go there. I would kind of put in kind of like the geographic region that the place is taking part and give, kind of give it a season. And then I would just have it randomly generate weather. So it might be a clear, nice day out. And then I would roll like a D4, D6, D8, D10, like whatever I was feeling. And that would be the number of days in that month where it would have that weather. And so it could be a massive rainstorm for four days Or it could be just perfect cloudless weather for 10 days or whatever it is. And I would go, I would do that for about two or three months, like pre-plan in a calendar that I kept for each of my games and record what what that weather event was and then just Tell it to the players, and it didn't always affect combat, but um, I was always excited when it did because (laughs) I mean, like you guys were fighting demons um, at the at the city walls, and there was just rain lashing down at you. Like that's some Helm's deep shit right there. Yeah,
1: it was it was unpleasant. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, uh, no, it
1: that weather's a very good one. It's a little more annoying than when you're floating on the astral sea. And someone's like, I'm just going to kick you off the ship. And the ship keeps going and you're floating through the ether.
0: Well, it also gives druids, clerics, and wizards a reason to take control weather spell at 8th level. Wow, Mm -hmm. that's an expensive spell.
1: That is a powerful spell, though. Yeah. I mean, it's it's stupid powerful.
0: I mean, it's also great because it has a casting time of 10 minutes. So if you want there to be a hurricane or like a tornado or something like coming through um you know like that gives the party a chance like maybe they do have enough time to cast a spell maybe they don't and it's like what do they do when they don't have enough time to cast a spell or maybe they didn't even prepare the spell and so like this like provides them a reason why they would ever take the spell because it's like control weather well when is that ever going to come up in my games we never talk about the weather as far as i'm concerned it's a bright sunny day (laughs) even at midnight underground a thousand feet below the earth
1: you live in la every day is beautiful you there's no water anywhere to drink but everything's beautiful um you want to have Goodberry good to fix that yeah exactly uh you want to get worse than control weather now at ninth level everybody takes wish right Yeah. Have you seen Storm of Vengeance? Uh, (laughs) It is horrible. I mean, and it's, you can, it's an action to cast. So you start off, you know, it's a, and you can, oh Jesus. You can cast it up to two miles away and it's a dark cloud appears, spreads to a 360 foot radius. Anyone under the cloud needs to make a save, a constitution saving throw, or basically you're in a thunderstorm. The thunder's really loud. You take 2d6 damage along with being deafened for five minutes. And that sounds great, right? Mm. If if you can maintain concentration, and it's, let's see, uh, it's a druid spell again. The uh, rain is acid rain.
0: <laughs> 360 feet of acid rain. Is it just range. our world's rain that got, like, teleported to Faerun? Yeah. Third round, uh,
1: yeah, now it's basically the call lightning spell as, you know, Thor's standing above you, casting six lightning bolts down at you. Then, ooh, and those hurt because it's a dex save or you do 10d6 and lightning damage. Sounds like my rogue's fine, though. Yeah, um, it starts to hail uh, in the fourth round, and everyone takes 2d6 bludgeoning damage. And I suppose there's
0: a reason why it's a ninth level spell. It's cumulative.
1: (laughs) So you're just getting pummeled with all this damage over and over and over again. Uh so yeah, that sucks.
0: Yeah, and but I mean like that's also ninth level. It's uh for many people, I mean like they might get control water, which is a fourth level spell, which can also be used yeah. in combats. Um actually most recently for my Thursday group, uh they had three ships filled with monsters about to attack a settlement that they're trying to protect and so uh the wizard cast control water and basically grabbed one of the ships uh in like a whirlpool to kind of like uh sink it and then the other ships were being attacked by tidal waves and um all sorts of things to try and flood them and to sink them as well and so um that's another way so the way to also spice up combat is give the players time to prepare if they can see a threat coming in. They can spend a minute, two minutes, three minutes kind of coming up with, like, the best ways to overcome the encounter. And maybe you won't even roll initiative. And, that, I mean, that—that that is a way to make a memorable combat is we owned that combat so hard we didn't even have to roll initiative because, like, we used our spells smartly. We used our abilities intelligently.
1: You're really relying on players not to be like, okay, in the distance we see a horde of kobolds. Pull out your weapons, boys. Let's just charge forward.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's fine too. If that's what or the, the wizard's players like, decide to do, I'm hiding behind this boulder. Have fun. <laughs> that's something that they can do. Like, I mean, I um in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's cl- there's rules for cleaving, which I would enact mm-hmm. in such a situation. It's like, if the party's all like, yeah, I'm running in there. We're gonna fight a thousand kobolds, uh, sword the kobold scales. <laughs> like sorry dragon scales of course right um then like you know that that's also an exciting combat because they got to make the decision as to how they're approaching that combat it's not just a well a hundred kobolds just show up and now you have to roll initiative now they get a chance to plan they get a chance to think through their actions well and i mean that's something that it would be nice for a party to your point
1: to set up an ambush you don't i don't can't really ever remember setting up an ambush what you do is you rely on the rogue to kind of i'm going to sneak around and you sneak attack and then everybody charge Mm -hmm. it's like no hey we're in a forest yeah there's a maybe there's a reason we're in a valley we could probably clamber up and shoot arrows down at them, or push rocks down on them, or do something that isn't just running forward and hitting shit with your sword.
0: Yeah, and like, and you're talking about a valley that's like a perfect uh, encounter. Like, if there's like sheer cliffs on either side, and they're going down into this valley to find like a missing artifact or something, why can't there just be giants on like? Uh, each side of the cliff and they're just like throwing rocks and it's like well now what do you do partner? yeah it, it's like you, you have to split up like you're not going to be as effective do you focus on one while the other one just keeps pelting you with rocks like
1: i made that mistake i was <laughs> i did that during covid when i was doing uh the virtual friends and family game i oh, had oh no. did you yeah, make the, them well, cry yeah well i mean it was you know it was my nieces and nephews and you know a couple of my brother-in-laws and there's, so there's some little kids in there and probably should have realized that going through a valley and having a choke point
0: wasn't the best idea no that's a perfect idea Um, the kids gotta learn one day yeah and
1: they weren't exactly high level at that point and one of them got smushed by a rock
0: hey if you can dodge a rock you can dodge a a rock (laughs) you can
1: dodge a wrench you can dodge a dodgeball
0: yeah but they got better so it's fine
1: well, yeah, when they rolled a new character. Um, <laughs> exactly. They got better.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's also memorable. Like, when a, a a character dies, like, I remember each of the combats where a character fell because it's memorable. And, For you. Know, you. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm excited by it. But, like, it's, the, like, the idea behind that is that, like, I mean, not every table... Not every table is comfortable with the character death. There are some tables who are like, no, I want no risk of character death, but I still want engaging combat. So it's Play like, a different fucking game, <laughs>
1: I'm so... Uh, I can really... That's Actually, I've seen a lot of stuff on that lately. And that, to me, is...
0: I mean, that's <sighs> what we have resurrection rules for, which I always feel like are way too nice to you guys. I don't... I and mean, <laughs> It's not the game. Here's, here, here's some gold costs. All right, your buddy's back. Yeah, that's not... I mean, yeah, that's an option.
1: I mean, you should have the option to bring somebody back in certain cases. If you're stuck in a dungeon and uh, and I do something stupid and get myself killed, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. D- you know, DMs most DMs don't go out of their way to kill character. 90% I bet you at least in our campaign all of the characters deaths were either a really horrible set of circumstances where it's like oh you got critted you probably should have backed up (laughs) you probably
0: should have had a better character yeah
1: but that you know to that point the player made a mistake you know you don't go out there looking to kill characters it's like did you really think this through like hmm, i don't know we're fighting the boss right now in our upcoming adventure did you think through going in with 20 hit points obviously not
0: gotta push forward chris Never
1: stop moving forward. No, it's, you know, again, 90% of player deaths, they're on the player. You know, sure, you get bad dice rolls. That happens. I get it. Um, And a DM may be like, okay, you're down, and you failed your three saving throws, and I've tried a lot of ways not to have you die, but you're dead. But most of the time, it's because I'm an idiot, and I'm doing something. I don't think through, okay, I'm going to run up and hit something. Oh, crap. I only have five feet of movement back. Or I have 10 feet of movement back or 15 or whatever it is. And I'd never thought about attack of opportunity while I was at it. That's our fault. Yeah. But I think that, hey, you know what? I agree with you. It does. The fear of having a character die makes you have to think through a little bit more your actions, depending on what you're fighting. And so maybe instead of being like, oh, yeah, yeah unless I'm metagaming, be like, hmm, I've never seen this creature before. Maybe I should stay back and
0: see what kind of check I can let someone else see what it does. let's (laughs) let someone else get hit first and see see how bad it is actually. Yeah, and I mean, I I I don't know if you noticed, but I've
1: you know in our campaign now I've started doing that. It's like I'm gonna take a second because I don't have a fucking clue. Although you throw our deep dive monsters at us, so I actually do know what they do, and I get annoyed. Um, And I'm like, oh god. But I, I take a second and be like, hey. What do I know about this creature? And you're just like rolling die. You're like, okay, what do you want to know? That's a valid thing to do, you know? And then you just start screaming at everybody to run away.
0: So, uh, I mean. Well, and like going along with that, like you don't have to specifically like try and kill a character. Like, If you do happen to knock a character down, like that doesn't like you, your your monsters don't have to specifically like focus on that down creature. Now there are situations where you want the the monsters to focus on a down creature because it makes sense for them. If a zombie knocks a creature to zero hit points, they're not just going to be like, well, I guess he's dead. I'm going to go hit (laughs) someone else. It's going to be. Ooh, stop fighting back i'm gonna start eating (laughs) and which point the zombie would like crouch down and start like trying to eat them Mm -hmm. which is another way to like freak the rest of your party out it's like (laughs) these people don't stop yeah we need to get our buddy up and we need to start pulling backwards and like try and like keep this thing away from eating us because that's dangerous yeah
1: and if you're me you would be like You go do that. I'll provide cover from the back.
0: (laughs) I'm going to make sure our way behind us is clear. Exactly.
1: I'm going to go scout. I'll be back. Maybe. Uh, No, I think that an important way to spice up the game is to always have the chance of you dying. Not, you know, not the fear of you dying. I mean, that's stupid. That's to go in in every battle. You're like, oh, what's going to happen to my character? No, but knowing that it could happen if you make a decide if you're gonna play a character and you know that you're not gonna die so you can just run in and do all sorts of stupid shit, that's not that's not what we're talking about. That's not yeah. spicing up your game. That is limiting your game to so the things that you can that you can do. You have no fear of anything. To be able to force a DM with a creature and a player with his character to think things through a little bit more makes a lot of sense. And to me that's a way to
0: spice up the game. Yeah. And, and not every combat you have to go into has to be like hardcore Diablo mode. Oh, no. <laughs> um, you can. Well, barbarians I mean, usually. <laughs> you can have just like easy one off encounters, which are just allow the player to feel powerful. If all they're fighting is monsters that are way stronger than they are, then it's just gonna like they're always gonna feel like they're never getting better. Right. But if you bring back a monster that they previously fought, maybe had difficulty with, maybe a character died to, and now they're fighting that and they're just mashing through them, like that gives them a sense of power and is something else that they can remember. It's like, ooh, I remember how these monsters fight. Now we know how to use our tactics against them, and we can avoid uh watching Bob have to make up a new character. Uh, for the Unless fifth we don't time, like
1: in Bob. well, <laughs> and then we have to sit down with Bob and be like, "Hey, stop doing stupid stuff." Well, All there's right.
0: Bob, son of Bob. There's yeah. yeah. Um, I the... think it's
1: also por- important to to note that homebrew is definitely a way to spice up the game, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. I mean, we you throw in a lot of homebrew for us, so it does provide an extra kind of like thrill to the game. You know, I'm not getting uh, you know, it's like one of the campaigns. I had a you know, my legendary my it was actually an artifact item. You could have very easily just been like, flip through, it's Whelm, here you go. It's it's right out of the, the DMG. it's here, but no. You custom created something and it was pretty neat. It also sang to me a lot and it was weird. But uh only pirate ship. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um in a language I couldn't understand. So
0: <laughs> Well it sounded like the whales. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I mean, homebrew is definitely a way to do it you know th- if you throw a monster at somebody i'm gonna tweak it a little bit you know because if you especially if you know you have someone that's like i've memorized the monster manual well
0: yeah and like the monster manual for fifth edition is just most of the monsters are a stack of hit points and they have a multi-attack for a bite and claw claw like it's like <laughs> great exciting that's yeah. the same thing they just fought except this one has more hit points and their bite claw claw doesn't do d8 d d6, d6. it does D10, D8, D ten D eight D has the body of a bear and <laughs> the face of an owl. Great. <laughs> oh look, it's me in the morning. Um <laughs> But, like, so definitely finding ways to spice up monsters. Maybe, uh, I mean, the easiest way to spice that up is if they hit you, the player has to make a save or they fall prone. Like, ooh, Hmm. now there's something different going on. Now they have to contend with being knocked prone. Or uh, maybe it it knocks them back five feet. And so when you do that, think of ways that that your monster can utilize knocking people back five feet. It's like, oh, they're fighting on a cliff. And they don't have to fall 100 feet, but they could fall... 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, in which case at that point they're taking a little extra damage and there is kind of like this fear of being knocked off. Like even if it isn't that far of a drop, it's still like, oh, if I get knocked off, it's going to take me a long time to get back into the combat and that's going to shape things up.
1: Unless it's a dragon turtle that you polymorph into a llama and then throw it off a cliff into the ocean.
0: You know, I've forgiven you guys for that. No, you uh, haven't. you
1: you put the fear of God into every character I have, no matter what campaign <laughs> or what system we're using.
0: It's amusing to me that, uh, that uh, you're so worried that I'm going to bring a dragon turtle to uh, specifically kill you guys for... No, the, no,
1: not you guys, me.
0: <laughs> sorry, to specifically kill you, even though you weren't the one to polymorph it into a llama
1: and then chuck it off the cliff? Well, I think I taunted it while it was in the water. I mean, just yes,
0: you did taunt it while it was in the water. It then went and destroyed the ship that brought you guys to an island.
1: I never claimed to play smart characters. But, I mean, and tweaking the existing rules work. And, I mean, the my favorite campaign um, that I will always remember was when I had tiny the shield guardian Mm -hmm. i mean that was awesome i mean he essentially became a my character my character was great i mean i played a paladin and i loved him. or cleric cleric and i loved him paladin was the next campaign i mean that's i don't even remember what he played (laughs) i remember tiny he was awesome you were a
0: war cleric with a shield guardian yeah (laughs) And,
1: and these this was the character that they fucking kept casting darkness on me but we alternated and i think it might have worked for you too to spice it up we kind of alternated depending on the situation who got to play the shield guardian and well, well no no so
0: so what happened was in combat you controlled him. out right. of combat i had him basically just be a complete idiot that destroyed everything for you and um, then they caused more combats for you guys to take part in or well you did let me
1: burn down a bar um that ended poorly uh but yeah so it was it was fun and it was different and it definitely for me spiced up the game to the point where I was just like I will always remember that campaign Mm -hmm. I mean it was fantastic yeah uh
0: the last thing i think we should talk about is just enclosed spaces like if you're in a dungeon if you're in a building how are you going to be able to spice up like a warehouse building how are you going to spice up a dungeon corridor um and at this point there's a couple of different options one is uh traps of course like maybe you're uh at like long corridors there's two kobolds who are just firing their slings at your party the party's like that's great we'll just charge in there and won't we'll go mash them because they're two kobolds, like, whatever. Except the tra- uh, the hallway has traps in it, and they can either try and dodge the traps, they can try and look for the traps, which takes their action to make a perception check. They can try and disable them, which is an action which slows them down, and, like, the kobolds have more time. Maybe they can stick to ranged weapons, which, of course, everyone in the party has, but maybe the kobolds are then behind, like, you know, like, a little bit of barrier, so they have a boost for their AC. Like, there's a variety of things that you can do to, like, spice that up, One of my favorite things that I've seen for spicing up a combat in, like, an enclosed space was it was a goblin riding on a giant gecko. And the (laughs) gecko had a climb speed. And so what the goblin would do was, like... just. Basically, just be a cavalier riding the gecko like along the walls, would ride it upside down on the ceilings, and just like stabbing at the players with the lance. So he had extended reach, and he could like hit people while no one else could while he was hanging from like the ceiling on his gecko. Like you can bring in those kind of like weird monsters that really utilize the space that can cling to like three dimensional kind of things.
1: Yeah, no, please don't do that to me. Um, I think traps are very underrated in 5e
0: well i kind of go both ways with traps like on one hand i really really want them to work but also on the other hand they always kind of feel like i'm kind of being shitty towards players it's like yeah if i set the dc too high they can't see it but also if i don't set it high then they're gonna see it and they're just gonna avoid it and then my fun trap doesn't get to go off and so i'm there's always like this like conflicting agenda in my heart like how do i want this trap to work? please please trip this trap but i don't want you guys to trip the trap
1: and die well i mean that's so i just remember So maybe
0: don't do traps that deal like a thousand points of damage well
1: and that's what always reminded me of that was one e where it was just like you fall it was just simple like okay you're walking along pit trap you don't see it you fall into you know a 20 foot pit filled with wooden spikes yeah that's gonna hurt
0: but of course, those spikes are covered in poison. Failure save, you die. It's like, what? That, that's crazy. Have I ever told... Oh, so. I don't think I've told you this one. So in the uh, the Great Modron March, there is a hilarious trap that takes place inside of a dungeon where if a character walks forward down a hallway, a, uh, a secret door suddenly opens. A hundred thousand bats come shooting out of the room and... <laughs> And then they have to make a save, uh, which would basically translate to with disadvantage and 5e, or they fall into a pit covered in spikes. The trap doors then close, close back up. So they're trapped in this room. And then an electrical orb shoots around the room for about 10 minutes, dealing like 2d6 or 3d6 points of damage every time it hits you. Awesome. And and basically like the, the book just says, and... Uh, Uh, the character will die before the trap is done. (laughs) it's just like, all right.
1: Okay then. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's
0: horrible. Uh, (laughs) It is just like, holy crap. Like that bats coming out of nowhere. You then fall into a pit and there's this electric, like, dang, that, that person really loved his traps. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, here's the thing with traps. If, and this sounds horrible, uh, it is a way to get players to stop and either a stop being dicks <laughs> or to if you notice that things are getting boring or players are just doing the same old stuff over and over again, yeah, throw a trap at them in a dungeon. I mean, dungeon diving, yeah, sure is a little different and you can throw a puzzle in here and there. Mm-hmm. But if they're not if they're not doing the right things, and not I, I'm not sure how to phrase it, but put a trap in there. Don't make it deadly. But now all of a sudden they're like, oh, we shouldn't just be marching down there with our torches lit. Can the next door open and fighting what's ever there? It's like, hmm, there's more to this than just killing monsters. Maybe at the next door we should actually stop and listen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe we should stealth. Yeah, and going along with, like, don't kill them with a trap, like, one of my favorite traps to do, and I hesitate to say this in front of Chris because then he'll know my plans, is I love hiding a sphere of annihilation behind, like, an uh, illusionary, like, piece of flooring or, like... Uh, in a thing it's of darkness, alu- you've already done it to me. In a sphere of darkness, like behind like an illusory door. Like any way that I can sneak a sphere of annihilation in there is like great to me.
1: You already did it to me.
0: so I've yeah. done it to you uh, multiple times, actually. Mm,
1: great. Just uh, but great. like, you
0: know, like I also don't do it. Like I don't set the DC so high that they can't find it. I set the DC high enough where they feel like they barely found it. Like mm-hmm. it took like the person or like one or two of the best people with perception to find it. They find the trap and then they're like oh shit like like those are kind of fun traps to put in there not because you're expecting them to work but because it gives your players like this that's bad that's real bad so like you can put in traps that are more just eye candy and don't actually do anything and um and instead are just for you to heighten the tension for your players to like make them fear just a little bit more so that you can feed on it I don't know if
1: we talked about this, but when we were doing the deep dive on the mimic, there was okay. It was the old classic. You open up a room. It's a thirty by or twenty by twenty room. In the center of the room is a chest, and so everybody walks in there. Like it's a mimic. <laughs> it's definitely a mimic. So you, they go over and they do all the checks. They did, de- and then it's like, oh, okay. They open up the chest. It's in regular chest. The whole room's a mimic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, "Mm, this is bad.
0: Well, it's like, why isn't the door opening? Why is my hand stuck to the door handle? Yeah.
1: Oh, we're going to die. So, yeah. I mean, so that's definitely... I just... I like traps. I think they're fun. I think when we did... We did a couple of a campaign and I was running... um, and somebody set off the the sand trap room, where you go in in the room and you look around, and they set it up and the room starts filling with sand. Mm-hmm. And drowning's horrible, but being buried alive in sand as it fills the room up and you're having to clamber up is really horrible to me. So I think everybody got out of that. Yeah. I mean, I like I liked that; it was fun. Um,
0: well spoilers for the adventure we just released there is a sand trap in front of a vault door
1: no okay
0: with a quicksand trap in front of a vault door which basically just suffocates you so if you're interested about how to run a quicksand encounter, you no. should pick up that bo- uh, that adventure.
1: I don't like any of those things. I'm gonna I know I'm, I know how I'm gonna die. It's gonna, <laughs> nature's gonna kill me and it's gonna be that way. It's gonna do something like that or my wife's gonna push me into a volcano when we go hiking sometime, but that's beside the point. Um, I wouldn't blame her either. So, yeah, so there's a variety of different ways to spice up your campaign other than just tweaking monsters or throwing something different at them. I agree with you 100%. There's a lot of fun things to do, um, both on the player side and the uh, the you know on the DM side especially. I mean, great. Everything has resistance to fire. Well, you can tweak that somehow. You can change this. You can you can put them in a fucking water campaign where you can't use any water spells. You seem
0: very sad about that.
1: Well, it was funny, though, because when we were playing the last one, your wife was actually like, so what happens if I cast, and I forget what the it was a fire spell, underwater, and you're just like, doesn't work. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I fucking figured that out a while ago. God <laughs> damn it. And I'm like, okay, switch those spell slots out and never take that again. But I mean, yeah, there's there's fun things you can do. And I think a DM shouldn't limit themselves to the same old tropes and players shouldn't be blinders on just walking down and killing things.
0: So, uh, next episode, we are going to do a review of call of the nether deep, the newest adventure by Watsi, uh, focused in the Taldori campaign world. Very interested
1: to see how you feel about this one.
0: Uh, you know, I don't really know much about it other than the fact that it looks like Shaggy is on the cover of the book. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think it is in a, or part of it is in a desert kingdom. So far, uh, I haven't really been wowed by any of the adventures. So right. I'm, uh, I actually don't even know who's writing called The Nether Deep. I don't know if it's Matt Mercer, if it's someone else that was writing it, but oh. uh, I'll be interested to see who wrote it and, um, you know, like, if uh what they do with it, um I mean it's gotta be better than Storm King's Thunder, where half of the book is just uh, gives a gazetteer uh gazetteer of uh the Sword Coast Adventurers of uh, the yeah. Sword Coast
1: area. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, I can't huh. Doesn't actually say who's writing it. Well it says inspired by the campaigns of the hit series critical role, so it may be I don't know, they just may have gotten everybody on there and Merce is just a uh consultant. Who knows? Yeah, we'll I mean, he was enough. a
0: consultant for Waterdeep Dragon mm-hmm. Heist, and yeah. they made a big deal about that, but I haven't seen any, really any big deal about it. Okay. Um, oh, it's from level 3 to 12, so they removed the first two levels because those are boring,
1: I guess. <laughs> and that's when you die. Although I know plenty of people that start at level 3, so everybody can have their, you know, special little things they can do now. So, All right, well, uh, who's doing the plug today, you or me?
0: Uh, I can do uh, so, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, uh, please make sure you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you uh, are listening to this podcast. Uh, if you like what we do and want to support us, check us out on Patreon.com slash Dumpstat. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash stat dump yes you got it right yay that's two Uh, in a row and there's also our reddit so that you can just follow us there and then just be alerted whenever we post a new article every monday friday every other thursday Uh, if you join our patreon there's way more content that you get there's magic on mondays there's monster uh every other monster thursdays or every other week in between deep dives um yeah we've read a lot uh yeah there's a lot that we've so well
1: oh don't forget the discord oh yes and make sure you you join our (laughs)
0: discord uh you can find a link to that on the front page of our website uh where i'm always there chris is never there and you know all you do is insult me (laughs) can offer advice there's uh there's several hundred people on there that can can help you out um ask about rule clarifications all that fun
1: and we talked about a lot of things that are on the website now i am Confidence, Stephen will put the link in for all of them.
0: Yes, I will because I can't trust Chris to do it.
1: You can't even trust me to do the weekly email. So,
0: well, that's true. all right. Say so goodbye, Stephen.